Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, sitting here on a Sunday evening after a disappointing loss to the Texas Longhorns by our Red Raiders. The team falls to 1-2 and two in conference play, losing the series on the road 1-2. and two. There is a silver lining. They did not break the cardinal rule of not getting swept on the road in the Big 12 Conference, but you really hope that you could go into Austin and play well enough to pull out a series victory. Didn't expect the sweep by any means. Really didn't expect the victory, but hoped that it was possible. I think Texas Tech pitched well enough for that victory to be possible, but just had some struggles at the plate throughout the weekend. So we'll dive into this Texas series here in a moment. Uh, I'm bringing you this Monday episode of the Dinger Derby podcast. We're just going to recap the Texas series. The Red Raiders have a little bit of an unusual week. There's no midweek game, but they will be in action starting on Thursday. They'll host a three-game series with the Michigan Wolverines at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park, and will then have a two-game series on Sunday-Monday against the Stets and Hatters, a super regional team from 2018. So unusual, not really a tournament, kind of a round robin in that the Hatters and Michigan will play each other as well, but Red Raiders basically knocking out a weekend series and a midweek series Thursday through Monday. So should be a fun weekend of baseball in Lubbock. I'll get you an episode on Wednesday previewing that series, looking at both of those teams since play starts on Thursday. So look for another episode from Dinger Derby this week on Wednesday. So the Red Raiders rode into Austin feeling pretty good. They they were riding high. They had answered some questions, seemed like some good things were in place, had a sweep of the Wichita State Shockers the weekend before. The Red Raiders started strong on Friday. Gabe Holt, your leadoff hitter, gets on base, and then you have Josh Young walk behind him, and then you have two ground outs to end the inning. That was kind of the story of the weekend. You had caught stealings, you had plate plays, and you had just really no way around it, abysmal hitting with runners in scoring position. And we'll talk about that more later. But the Red Raiders on Friday did plate three runs in the third inning. All three reached on a walk. And then Cameron Warren belted a two RBI single to right field, followed by Cody Masters with another RBI single up the middle. Solid performance there. You felt like you were going to break open. Things were going to get better. The Longhorns did not pull Bryce Elder, their starting pitcher. He ended up going five full innings pitched, and then you just couldn't get anything else working the rest of the night. The Longhorns plated one run in the fifth and then three more in the sixth, and that ended up being what they needed to win that Big 12 opener. Erickson Lanning got the start on the bump for the Red Raiders. He was actually incredibly efficient. He went five innings pitch. He had three hits, one run, no walks, and actually no strikeouts. He retired the first 12 Longhorn batters of the game in order. He looked fantastic early. He looked good late, to be honest. He retired nine batters at one point and only 24 pitches through the third inning. That was just absolutely impressive to watch what he had going for quite a while there. He was actually perfect into the fourth. So Texas played their first run in the fifth after a leadoff double by Zach Zubia, who's their strongest hitter. That was followed by a one-out single and an RBI sack fly. And then you had this unfortunate chain of events that went on in the sixth inning and ultimately put the Longhorns on top. 
So he had a fielder's choice followed by a single and a walk. So that loaded the bases. A sacrifice fly by Zubia to right resulted in a high throw coming from Gabe Holt to the plate. Now that did go down as an E9. I'll tell you that throw was probably in time. If it had been down, it would have been a close play at the plate. Unfortunately, it was a little bit up and went to the backstop over Braxton Fulford's head. So that E9 advanced the remaining runners into scoring position. Then there was a hard-hit ball to third. It skipped under Josh Young's glove and went out into left field. It was just frustrating to watch. Just one of those, how did you not get that ball kind of situations. Not a lot of E5s coming over there for Young. Just one of those that will drive you nuts if you think about it too much. Skittered under his glove, went out into left field. That scored two unearned runs, and then the damage was done. I feel bad for Josh Young. He is obviously still a first-round draft pick. He is a strong player for the Red Raiders. He has gotten off to a slow start at the plate. He's got a couple errors on the season. I do think that there were moments this weekend, especially on Sunday, that he may have broken through that wall a little bit. But it has been frustrating, and I'm sure it has been for him as well over this last month, trying to deal with what can only be described as a slow start. However, I see Twitter, I see the Facebook groups, I see the conversations that go on out there. On one hand, yes, the E6 scored two unearned runs, the E9 helped add to the damage. They were not great plays. Things happen. But the fact of the matter is, the Red Raiders did not get a hit in the scorebook after the fifth inning. They were horrible with runners in scoring position all weekend long. So baseball is a team sport. And there was a team out there that was not picking each other up, that was not getting the hits they needed, not doing what they needed to get out of trouble. And that's what ended up costing them. So in my opinion, if you're going to look at it and you want to point fingers, point fingers at a team of players that weren't able to come through for each other and get the W on Friday because they did do those things other times in the weekend. But pointing fingers at either Josh Young or Gabe Holt or anyone else for that matter, I saw people blaming Dane Haveman for an inopportune walk. Dane Haveman allowed his first walk of the entire season in that inning. One walk this season. He's been pretty strong. I think he leads the team in appearances. I'm certainly not going to skewer him for one walk. Now, I get that it was a close game, and if you want to start breaking down all the little things that made it happen, sure, I think that's fair. But... I prefer, as a fan of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, as a fan of baseball, to try to find the reason within these things that are obviously frustrating and emotional. Find a little bit of reason there. Keep the perspective that this is a 56-game season, and there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and there's a lot of improvement to be found by this team. And I think you'll realize that, hey, this is going to be okay. And it's probably not worth ranting on social media about trying to tell everyone flat out what a horrible player X, Y, and Z are, because that's just crazy to me. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. Let's roll on and talk about the game. So there were bright spots in the evening outside of Lanning's starting pitching effort. Micah Dallas turned in a really strong effort in relief. He went two and a third pitched. He had no hits, no runs, no walks, and three strikeouts in just a dominant late effort. He was really strong, looked really sharp. I believe the two and a third is his longest appearance of the season as well. I think Micah Dallas is somebody that you're going to see on weekends for the Red Raiders. If it doesn't come this season, it's going to come next season. I think he is going to be a really strong addition going on into the future. It'll be exciting to watch him play for years. 
Cameron Warren turned in his fifth multi-hit game and six multi-RBI games of the season. He went three for four with two RBI. He's recorded an RBI in five straight games. And then Gabe Holt went two for five. That was his fourth multi-hit game of the season. And he extended his reach safely streak to a career-high 30 games. So when it's all said and done, you look at it, you could read it on paper and say, hey, this wasn't a bad game. I mean, you could have hit a little bit better. Although Texas Tech did out-hit the Longhorns seven to five. Two errors were a negative for sure, and it was a difficult game, a frustrating game to watch after that third inning and certainly after the fifth when you just couldn't buy a hit. But the Red Raiders go in to Saturday feeling pretty confident, I would think. You go into Austin, into Dishfalk Field. You play a tough Texas Longhorn team in front of a huge crowd. If you've never been to Dishfalk, it holds over 7,500 people, and there were record crowds this weekend. So on Saturday, it truly was a record crowd. Almost 7,900 people showed up to watch Texas Tech and the Longhorns play baseball at 2.30 in the afternoon. That is the largest regular season crowd ever at Dishfalk Field. Over the weekend, over 22,000 fans came out to watch this baseball game. So everybody go ahead and tell me how it's not a rivalry, but when it comes down to it, there was some great baseball being played, and it was a big-time atmosphere. Definitely kind of had that postseason feel to it, and the games were intense. If you didn't get a chance to watch or listen, it was intense. It was nerve-wracking. There was a lot of nervous energy going on, certainly for me as a fan. It wasn't an easy one to, to sit there and watch. So Saturday, once again, starting pitching is the storyline of the game. This time, the offense battled. They they broke through in the eighth for enough to secure the victory and even the series at one and one. Caleb Killian got the Saturday start, and he was nothing less than exceptional. He went seven innings pitched. He allowed one hit, no runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. He only allowed one runner on second base in his entire outing, and no Texas runner got past second until the ninth inning. Now, the ninth inning, as you know, Caleb Killian wasn't still in. At that point, it was Clayton Beater. Now, Beater was also fantastic in his relief effort. He went two full innings pitched. He allowed no hits, no runs. He had three walks and four Ks. Beater has elite velocity. I mean, he was bumping 98. I know Kendall Rogers from D1Baseball.com was there for the Saturday game, so he added Clayton Beater to D1 Baseball's heat sheet, and the heat sheet tracks those really fast power arms that are out there, but they will only add players to the sheet if one of their staff is in attendance. Because I'll tell you, there were other Red Raiders this weekend that could be added, including John McMillan and Kurt Wilson, who were both throwing elite velocity as well on Sunday. But Clayton Beater was great. I'm not sure if two innings pitch is his longest outing or not, but I think it was a really strong one for him. He and Killian combined for a one-hitter on the day. That's the first one-hitter Tex had since February of last year. It was just a really, really strong pitching performance. So a one-hit shutout by Texas Tech pitching. Gabe Holt is strong once again for Tech. He goes one for four with a run scored, a walk, and a stolen base. He drew a walk in the eighth, then advanced on a balk, stole third base, and then scored on a Brian Klein sack fly. That's what Gabe Holt brings to this team. He gets on base, he advances the bases for free with just pure grit and work with stolen bases, and then he's there where you need him to be in scoring position when the opportunity arises. He's 11 for 14 on stolen bases this season, and he's 40 for 44 in his Texas Tech career. 
So Josh Young's error on Friday was kind of the talk of social media, but he came back on Saturday and really showed out strong. He had an off-balance put out from outside of third base, throwing on target to Cam Warren. Cam was down on one knee waiting for the ball, and Young got it to him right on target. He also turned a 5-4-3 double play in the fourth, and he went one for four on the day with a walk. Young led the weekend, ultimately, with five walks for the Red Raiders. So even though he's a little slumpy as far as his bat goes, he's still up there working pitch counts, he's doing what he needs to do, and he's taking it for the team as best he can and getting himself on base to get base runners out there. Cody Masters had some timely hitting on Saturday. He had a two-RBI single in the eighth to score Dylan Noisy and Cameron Warren. That was a really fun moment because, once again, Tim Tadlock just likes watching guys run, I guess. He didn't hesitate. He sent Cam Warren rumbling home from second. His slide was in time, and actually the play got cut off on the relay, and uh, it just punished the Longhorns because they put Cameron Warren on with an intentional walk in the first place. So that was a fun one to see Cam Warren rumble home from second and, and score that run. You know, on Friday, the Red Raiders were jumping on early pitches. They weren't working the pitch count. They weren't boiling pitches, you know, running up those pitch counts. It was a little bit frustrating because it wasn't their game. You know, as I said, they didn't tally a run on Friday after the fifth. They went down in order in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. That's just not what you're used to seeing from a Texas Tech team. So it was good to see them work through long at bats. They drew five walks from the starting pitcher, Blair Henley, on Saturday and kind of got back into form. It was a close game. Clayton Beater in the ninth inning walked the leadoff batter, struck out the next, walked the next, struck out the next, walked the next. So he got two strikeouts, but sandwiched in there, he also walked the bases loaded. Matt Gardner came out and talked to him. There was a conversation about what to do, and he went out there and got it done, and he drew a fly out to left field from Ryan Reynolds. Max Marshock made that catch out there to end the game. So the Red Raiders win this one three to nothing, but it was a little bit scary there when you've got the winning run looking to walk off at the plate at the bottom of the ninth. So coming in Sunday, you're feeling pretty good. Mason Montgomery has been strong. You don't think that the Longhorns have much starting pitching left, which it turned out they did not. The Longhorns used seven pitchers on the day. It was a pure Johnny Bullpen performance for them, but they end up getting the win 4-3 to three over the Red Raiders. Tech once again outhits them 8-4, to four, has one error in the game, and leaves 12 stranded on the day. Just another frustrating day at the plate, fighting through good pitching and trying to get things to happen with runners in scoring position. On the weekend, Texas Tech outhit the Longhorns 22 to 9, but they just could not plate runs. They were 1 and 15 on Sunday with runners in scoring position. It just that's just got to be better. By my just kind of quick count looking back through my scorebook, it looked like Texas Tech was 6 for 30 on the weekend with runners in scoring position. That just hurts my heart to talk about. I feel like they have so much more talent than to let that happen. As I said, they used seven right-handed pitchers, the Longhorns did, on Sunday, while the Red Raiders started Mason Montgomery. Montgomery went five innings pitched. He allowed one hit, one run. He had five walks and four strikeouts. The one run was actually a, a single up the middle that actually ended Montgomery's day in the sixth inning, but then John McMillan came in and ended up allowing that runner to plate later on, and that was charged to Mason Montgomery, who had a really strong outing for Texas Tech today. He worked himself out of trouble often. He never allowed that run until McMillan allowed a hit that plated it later on. 
Now, McMillan came in, he went an inning pitched, and he was throwing gas. I mean, you saw McMillan, his off-speed stuff was getting down in velocity like you like it to. He could sit 91-92 pretty easily, and he could push it up higher, but he did struggle a little bit. He allowed two hits, he had two runs. Now, only one of those was earned. One walk and two Ks in his one inning. It was the inning that the Longhorns ended up plating three runs. They had a two-RBI single. There was an error by Braxton Fulford that ended up scoring one of those runs. Now, you could argue if that was really on Fulford or Josh Young. Some were saying on Twitter that the the throw was perfectly on line, but Young just didn't get there in time. But a throw from Fulford trying to throw out a runner at third goes out into left field, ends up plating a run. You had several stolen bases in there as well, including a double steal, and there was a balk by John McMillan. So just not the best outing for him. Kurt Wilson comes in and completes the game for Texas Tech. He was absolutely throwing gas as well. He was bumping 98 on the day, just really, really impressive. He did a good job out there. He retired him in order in the seventh. So Wilson only allowed one walk on the day, and that was in the eighth inning. It advanced to second on a wild pitch and then ended up scoring on a bloop single to left field. The runner was thrown out in another great play by Josh Young. As the runner rounded first, Young gunned him down in a 5-3 putout, but unfortunately that was after the run had scored. So what ended up being the winning run of the game scored in the eighth on Wilson's only walk of the day on a bloop RBI single that ended with a really great defensive play from Josh Young to Cameron Warren. So... Just frustrating when you looked back on that and you realize at the end of the game, Josh Young came out, he had his first home run of the season, it ended up being a two RBI shot, gets the Red Raiders to three. If that sequence in the eighth hadn't happened, you got a tie ball game and you might be looking at extra innings. So Gabe Holt, once again, with a solid weekend, he went four for 13, he had a stolen base and two walks. He extended his hitting streak to 11 games and then had 32 games he's reached safely. As I was just saying, Josh Young finally broke through that wall on Sunday. He went two for three. He had a run scored, three RBI, two walks, and a stolen base. He smoked an RBI double to left field corner, and he hit his first dinger of the season. So that was a kind of a no-doubter over the left center field wall. Josh Young just finally had a good day at the plate. But he did, as I said earlier, draw five walks this weekend. I believe that led the team up there getting it done, doing the best he can to get himself on base. Tanner Otrimba, also with a strong day on Sunday, he hit two doubles. He went two for two on the day with two walks. Nice to see him up there kind of getting hot again. So despite the loss in the series, I will give my awards, hitter of the series, pitcher of the series, and player of the series. I looked through these pretty significantly and tried to make the best decision I could As far as a pitcher of the series, I think undoubtedly that goes to Caleb Killian. Seven innings pitched, one hit, no runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Part of that is just a personal feel that I'm glad he got on track. He has been battling for a month trying to come out and have a a performance like this. Killian looked really good. He was locating where he needed to. He really was bringing pitches to the plate and showing good pitchability. I was just excited to see him do that. The question mark on Saturday needed to be lifted, and I think Caleb Killian did a lot to show what he's capable of doing as your Saturday starter. For the hitter of the series, I'm going to give that one to Dylan Noisy again. He went 5-for-11 with three runs scored, three walks, and two stolen bases. 
Noisy's recorded a hit in 15 of 17 games this season. On Sunday, he tallied his 10th multi-hit game of the season, and he's 7-for-7 seven seven in stolen bases. Talk about a great addition to this Red Raider team. I'm not really sure what happened on Saturday. That wasn't a game that I got to sit and watch. I had some other baseball going on that I had to take care of, but... Noisy at one point was not out in center field. They held up the game. The Red Raiders were charged a ball for going over the two-minute clock, and then Tadlock made a a mound visit, and that ball ended up getting pulled off. You know, Noisy, quote-unquote, forgot his sunglasses. I'm not really sure what was going on back there behind the dugout. But it's funny because when he came out, of course, Longhorn fans were booing him, as any good fan would in that situation, I guess. And many players would put their head down and just jog out to their position in center field. Not Dylan Noisy. He came out and waved and smiled at all of them, which I love that personality on him. He's been a great addition to this team as a transfer sophomore. Really, really enjoying seeing him be successful at the plate. Cost some mayhem on the base pass. He has been a great addition, and I'm excited about him. The player of the series was a tough one for me to decide on as I went back and forth through my scorebook and looked at stats. It finally dawned on me the player of the series for the Red Raiders was the strike zone. The player of the series, there just wasn't anybody that had a great series for Texas Tech. There was some folks that had good single games. Josh Young had a great Sunday game. Others had great single games. Gabe Holt was fairly solid throughout the weekend, but when it all came down to it, the strike zone and the walks that the Red Raiders were able to draw were the difference maker in many points. And better situational hitting obviously could have turned this into a series sweep for Texas Tech rather than a single win, but they did draw 19 walks on the weekend, and that's both based on balls and intentional walks. All three of the Friday runs scored reached on a walk. All three of the Saturday runs scored were put on by a walk, and one of the Sunday runs scored was put on by a walk as well. That was Braxton Fulford. So, one, I'm appreciative of a baseball player, whether it's Braxton Fulford or Josh Young or anybody else, getting up there and finding a way to get on base one way or the other. That is just appreciated by me as a baseball fan. And as someone looking at these Red Raiders, it's great to see them up there working counts, working pitches, getting somewhere. There was one walk, I think it might have been Cameron Warren. I believe he was down 0-2 early in the count, and he worked himself into a walk. I mean, that's the kind of patience at the plate, forcing pitchers to throw you strikes. That's what Texas Tech does, and that's what helps make them successful. Obviously, it didn't all pan out the way we wanted it to this weekend, but at the end of the day, that was a positive. Don't give up on this Red Raider team. I know that there's frustration out there. I know you want to be angry. I know you want to blame errors or be mad about different things. But when it comes down to it, this is a strong team. The pitching is starting to show up and come on. Players are starting to get more comfortable. You were playing an elite team. The Texas Longhorns were another College World Series team last year. They are always a Big 12 contender. Their coach has been in place for a while. You know that they're recruiting strong talent. I mean, this is not a trash team by any means. So I think the way the Red Raiders played them tough and tight, you lost two games, 3-4. You won a game 3 nothing and pitched a one-hit shutout. At the end of the day, this isn't a horrible series. It's just not. You don't like to lose games, but... When you're looking at it from the national standpoint, this was not a bad series for Texas Tech. This is a series that ultimately will still help their RPI, which sounds crazy, but that's the way baseball works in the college ranks. 
Well, I think I'm going to leave it there for you this week in the Monday episode. I do appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate everything you continue to do to interact with me on social media, interacting with each other. Continue to send me your thoughts and and talk to me. I, I do enjoy it. I really do. I will be back in your feed on Wednesday with a look ahead to the Michigan Wolverines and the Stetson Hatters who are both coming into Lubbock. I'll see you at the ballpark next weekend. Until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me